your favourite. You've heard of it. You've seen it before. You know what it is. It's earthy. It's healthy. It's mushrooms. Gross. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of the Remind podcast. You are joining myself, Dr. Ashley Moreland, and my co-host, David Masterton. Hello, hello. How are hey, you, Ash? Dave? Good. Episode seven. Here we go. How exciting. Big, big one today about success. Oh, my gosh. Can it be bought? Can it be created? Or is it in your head? Maybe it's just a state of mind. Ooh. I don't know. Let's find out. Let's, Huge let's... topic today. Mm. Huge. So where would you like to start? What is success? What's success to you? Well, I mean, success to me, um, let's go Let's go back to when I had a real infatuation with success. That's probably a, a really good word to use. It was, um, for me, Everybody knew you, you knew your name. Let me just try and say that properly. Everybody knew your name. You're a celebrity. And what comes with being a celebrity is wealth. And what comes with wealth? It's that, again, it's that high profile. You've got big cars, big house, you know, partners that are also roaming in the same circles. And you're good at what you do, right? Are you an actor? Are you a tech person? billionaire are you whatever it is so suddenly that's kind of like success to me so if I was to think about when I had my infatuation with success it was probably when I was a teenager so it's sort of like before then people would say to me David what do you want to do when you grow up it's like I want to be a builder but then it moves on and then suddenly oh I want to be that person. I want to be that guy. I want to have those things. I want to accumulate. So um, that was just very external from me. So um, my definition of success now, very different. Um, when I look at success, it's about what was it or what is it that makes me happy? What actually brings me joy? Mm. What? Would I be happy with a Maserati or a Ferrari? Probably. I'm not going to lie. Um, but could you have a Maserati and Ferrari and also not be happy? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you know, you could you could be you could be incredibly alone. You could be incredibly misunderstood or incredibly used as a person, mm -hmm. like a like a commodity. You know, if you're famous and you've got a celebrity, yeah, like status, then you sort of get paid to come out and endorse things and do all of that but are you feeling fulfilled well I don't know yet I don't think that's going to be my path but you can definitely feel alone does this person only want to interact with me because of what I do or the money I have accumulated or the possessions that I have well they yeah. generally just want me for who I am 100%. Um, and so yeah so when it comes down to success it's just been what is it internally that I need? Because in the past, it's all about if I have the newest car, I'll be happy. 
if I can have a really nice house and show people and they go, wow, you got such a nice house. I'll be like, thanks. I feel great. That's awesome. Um, but it's about inside. So it's been, and I know we've been talking, you know, again, this being the seventh episode, many layers of trauma, finding sense of self, Am I a people pleaser? Am I a perfectionist? And am I all of these things? And as I have been doing the work and still plenty more to be done, as I start to unravel those things and actually success for me isn't about what other people think of me. Success for me is at this point in time, am I happy with myself? Am I doing or am I in the flow with what I feel I need to be doing? Oh, you said a magic word. Flow? Feel. 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 Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Imagine if success wasn't a thing but a feeling. Mm. And this is something I had so many things going through my head when you were sharing there as like, how cool. The first question that I thought when you said things really changed was, how old do you reckon you were when your concept of success really changed? It was probably about a couple of years ago, to be honest. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So yeah. up until a couple of years ago, you had a concept of success, but where did it come from? Where did you learn what success was? From the movies. <laughs> from movies. From, from movies. Yeah, it's from, you know, the news, it's from everything sort of going, well, to be successful, you have to accumulate stuff or yeah. you have to have an amazing mind or you have to be drop dead gorgeous or you have to have, you know, there, there was very specific categories of what successful people yeah. would do or be or have. Yeah. So... When my kids started at a new school last year, which we only lasted just over a year at, and we're at another new school now. So at the previous school we started at last year, they had a 40th celebration. So the school was 40 years old. And they were very proud of a video that they displayed where they had gone and interviewed the kids and like right from preps to grade six going, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up and all this sort of stuff. And I remember watching it and it was really endearing and like super cute, but the kids were answering like, I want to be a millionaire and I want to be a doctor and I want to be a pilot and I want to be a superstar and a celebrity and all this stuff. And, you know, not one single kid said happy. And that absolutely blew my mind because it sort of showed me that we are programmed at such a young age of what we're supposed to strive for. Mm. And that it, it struck me like I was actually shaken by it going, I really want my kids to value their happiness and their peace. And I think our sense of peace and our sense of joy and our sense of those things, notice sense, I, I see sense as feeling how do we know when something is right for us? Well, we feel peace. We feel joy. We feel connection. And I like even just on the weekend, I was with 
some friends and I asked my friend's son, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be a plumber. And I said, oh, what is it that interests you about that? And he said, oh, because I'll get to earn lots, plumbers earn lots of money. And the really cool thing was then I said, oh, that's, that's really cool. So if you didn't have to worry about money ever, if you never had to think about money ever again in your whole life, then what would you want to be? If you could just do what you're passionate about, what you're really excited about. And he started talking, he's passionate about ships. He loves ships. And he started talking about being in the Navy and all this, and he just lit up. And then I was like, yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) We need to have more conversations about this with our kids. Because it amazed me that such young kids already are starting to be influenced by, and not this doesn't necessarily mean to say it's from mum and dad. Like where, as I said, this other stuff was at school. Um, it's schools, it's society, it's what we see on TV, it's what we see in magazines, it's what we see on social media. We're always getting this this information that influences the way that we perceive what success is. And one of the things that I'm really grateful for with my kids. I was the academic, like super academically gifted, artistically could not draw or do anything artistic to save my life <laughs> and not very successful in many other aspects of life. Thankfully, though, society looks at academic success fairly highly. My kid's dad, not super academic, but he was extremely artistically talented. So in a school environment, he was like, you know, not really considered anyone to praise. And now he's a tattoo artist, earns more money than I could, you know, imagine probably. And I love that my kids have an example of both, of mm. there's lo- success can come from lots of different ways. <clears throat> and it's about what are your God-given talents and what is the thing that sets your soul on fire? What's your I think that's, re- that's really important. It's sort of like that sort of desire, what sets your soul on fire, right? Mm-hmm. The um, I love everything that you're saying there because it's very much being driven into us as when I, when I grow up, it needs to be, you know, what finishes that sentence has to mean something to somebody else. Like that child you were talking about. It's because, you know, when I grow up, I want to be financially secure. And to do that, apparently plumbers make a lot of money. So I want to become a plumber. Right. Mm -hmm. But what they're saying is I need to be financially secure. So why do I need to be financially secure? Because right now, whatever it is, I either really want to have all of these toys Mm -hmm. or I'm being told that money doesn't grow on trees Mm -hmm. or it's the the aspirational life of or the way that world is perceived when you don't have enough money it's a struggle it's a grind mm-hmm. it's a this it's a that yeah and so it's it's a, i love that question that you asked which is imagine you had everything you ever needed or wanted money wise what would you do then yeah then because what would you love to do it's a fascinating idea because a lot of everything that we've been set up to do is we have to get our money right first. And then how do you get your money right? 
well, money's controlled by people that are not us, <laughs> right? For the most for the most part. And we are in competition trying to find that money in this economy. And so when you think of it from a say a spiritual point of view, if you have a desire, if you have a passion, if you have a love for something, if you follow, there's a reason why you have that that feeling. Yeah. Now, if you can get past the shame or the guilt or the programs that says you can't do this because what will other people think? What's the mm -hmm. shame that's going to be triggered within it? What if you're not good enough? What, 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 what? Then you end up doing the things that you feel as though you should be doing instead, which is making sure I'm financially secure or you know what? I don't want anyone to think they have power over me, so I'm going to become a lawyer. Yeah. Or, or I just I, I just want validation. I want my mum and dad to be proud of me. You know, when I was a university lecturer for 12 years, I taught many people. And the cool thing was I actually taught into entire university-wide electives, which means that I had people who were studying accounting, entrepreneurship, pilots, fashion design, biomedical science. I had students across every single corner of the institution and I came across so many people in that time who actually had come to the realization that they were only doing the degree because it would make someone else happy someone mm. else would be pleased with them that they would feel worthy of their parents um, praise or acceptance that then you know if once they're an engineer then they'll be good enough um, that always really astounded me and i just think this this whole topic is so big isn't it it goes it so is. deep and success <clears throat> actually on the other side of it sorry to cut you off on the other side of it another thing i actually observe is a fear of success so many people think that mm. they have a fear of failure but actually when we go deeper it's it's more likely to be a fear of success for many many people and the example that i give is that when I was younger, I grew up in, in an average family that didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money. We were far from wealthy. Um, and the attitudes in my small town towards people who did have wealth and people who did have success. And it was kind of this tall poppy syndrome of shutting people down. And the um, I remember the comment of keeping up with the Joneses and, mm. you know, making appearances and, and that money's the root of all evil and all these kinds of beliefs. And so when I then moved into my professional career and success was on the table, what I actually realised was that success didn't feel safe because I had an underlying fear of judgment that all these people would be then thinking that about me, that I think I'm better than everyone else, that I, you know, insert other things here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's actually a very toxic cultural um, attitude towards people who are seen as successful. And not only that, people who therefore have all the success can often feel like very isolated 
because society will then say you've got everything you could ever possibly want what right do you have to be depressed what right what could you possibly have to be sad about what right do you have to be anxious or you know isolated or anything else you've got everything and so it actually takes away from their right as a human to experience those things because they've got everything money can buy and yet you're still mm. not happy. A, a term sort of comes to me as you, you mentioned that. It's sort of like being trapped in paradise. Oh, right? yes, yes. So a little bit different to yourself. Um, I've experienced a time in my life when I was a teenager when the only reason I didn't do something was simply because I didn't want to. Money was never an issue. Dad worked really hard, we're posted overseas, we're around people with a lot of money. Um, and, and so the concept of money and wealth to me, it was, I was definitely shown a lifestyle of anything's possible. And even when you thought you had a lot of money, there's someone that turns up with a, you know, triple the amount of money. And it was just sort of like this, this whole idea of, you know, and especially because this was when we were posted over in, in Hong Kong, the concept of money was very different. You come back to Australia and people say that they've got a lot of money and you look down and go, oh, isn't that cute? Um, <laughs> and, and so that, that experience, you know, and we weren't always that way. It was a lot of hard work and, and risks that dad took to get to that point. So riding the wave up was very pleasant, very pleasant, because as a child, I wasn't put through all the, the gut-wrenching issues of the decisions, the risks, the do I move my entire family from Australia to Hong Kong, what do we do when we're there, all of, all of those things. But what happened was the risk-taking continued, things changed, and all of that money dried up almost it felt like as quickly as it came yeah and going down again was a very interesting challenge for myself wow because when i got to a point where there was plenty of money around that wasn't mine i had a credit card from a very young age for emergencies and boy did i have many emergencies every day that um and i took on other people's emergencies as my emergencies and so i was a very generous kind of guy with other people's money and um every month that dad used to get the credit card bill i used to have to try and make myself scarce but then you know the cycle would continue so i became the guy that kind of built his persona around david's fun to have around because he pays for stuff mm. and so um, but I had to do that because I was trying to seek relevance because there wasn't enough self-confidence in me that, yeah. you know, yes, I'm funny. Yes, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy and all of that. But do I really want to be here? But I created that myself. It's not as though it was, it just started out of nowhere. And so coming down, when I didn't have that money, I went into a tremendous amount of personal debt to keep that going. Yeah, Wow. And so having the understanding of the value of the dollar or the value of money beforehand, it was simply nowhere. But I was able to learn the value of money, which I think is an incredible lesson because if you're to project forward, when people don't 
understand or have the value of money or their concept of money is very different to the average person. We'll call it the tall poppies. It's just on a whole new level, the, the difference of the issues and the infighting that could, that could come from it. For example, Australia's richest family, right? Australia's richest family can't stand each other. Yeah. And it's all been brought out by money. Now they've got an obscene amount of money, which is good on them for having that sort of money, but are they happy? Mm. Um, so being able to go through that sort of experience kind of really highlighted for me what was some of the internal struggles I was having, which was around self-worth. And so, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going from that, but <laughs> I thought it was important to sort of share, even when you have experience of that, going up and coming down. And some people that, you know, have heaps of money, they, they can be looked upon by other people as, well, just because you've got money, like you said before, that was a point I was trying to get to, that you're not allowed to, you know, feel unhappy. I have come across many people who have been trapped in paradise. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase before and I absolutely love it. Well, it, it, it comes back to the fact that, you know, paradise is what that person viewing paradise is projecting onto it. Yeah. And so the difference between someone feeling depressed and someone feeling depressed with a lot of money is actually no different. They're still both feeling depressed. They're feeling depressed. But the right. crazy thing is, is that the person who's feeling depressed without the lots of money or without the success by worldly terms looks at the person with the success and thinks that if they just got the success, they wouldn't be depressed. So yeah, they're chasing exactly. it, but without understanding. And this is, I think this is where our concept of state of mind really comes mm. in. Because state of mind is really about what are the beliefs and perceptions and values that we hold? What are the meanings that we assign to these concepts and these ideas? And I think that that is a really important conversation to have. And one of the things, so on our socials, in the lead up to every episode, we have a whole heap of content that points to what we're going to be talking about. And then we've got blog posts and all this stuff. And one of the things that actually um, has come out this week in preparation for our content today is a conversation around, well, these are people who had all the success according to the world um, where it's really the concept of success doesn't guarantee happiness, right? So mm -hmm. the examples that we gave, like there was Oprah Winfrey. She had openly discussed her battles with depression and difficulties in personal relationships. Tiger Woods, if anyone is of the generation that remembers the going, as you mentioned, sort of the going up and the coming down of Tiger Woods, there were marital issues and struggles with addiction and all kinds of things impacted his career and personal life. There was Robin Williams, there was Heath Ledger, there were all these actors and comedians and sporting mm -hmm. stars and all these people who were idolised and would be, would be seen in their relevant field as being the height of success, openly spoke about their struggles with things like depression, with self-sabotage, with self-conf like poor self-confidence with self-doubt with all of these human experiences now 
I really believe that a lot of this comes back down to identity because mm. there's the things of the world, the way that we view success from a worldly perspective. And the easiest way for me to think about this is what is the success that can go with me when I die? Interesting. What is point. my what is my legacy? Because this comes down to identity for me. So the way that I see identity is self versus body. Because yeah. my body, the flesh ash that is having this experience, this experience in this world. Now, in this world, I need a car to get around. I need a house to live in. I need food to eat. I need money to buy things in the marketplace. But I only need those things in this world. And when I leave this world, because I'm dead, <laughs> I don't need those things anymore, right? But if I am leaving this world because I'm dead, and this is like, I guess, the spiritual aspect of what we're talking about, if, if my spirit leaves this world because I'm dead, but the spirit's still me, well, then if, my, if I'm too over-identified with the person that I am and the things that that person has accrued, and has, you know, the the labels and all the stuff. Go back and watch episode two <laughs> where mm. we dive into that. But that is always a very good indicator for me as to where am I sitting at the moment in terms of how I'm viewing success because my success is not dependent on all the things of the world. So of the world, wealth, mm. health, um, well, health maybe, but wealth and possessions and all those materialistic things. Um, but depression and anxiety and all those aspects are coming into our spirit. Like when our spirit feels really heavy, mm. we mm. know what that feels like, right? Yeah. That feeling of being trapped and suffocated and overburdened. Well, me driving a Maserati is just going to be trapped, heavy, overburdened ash driving the Maserati. And pe people going overseas or traveling, trying to outrun those same aspects of pain and aspects of hurt, heaviness and depression and anxiety and all those kinds of things, we can't outrun it. Mm. There's no job title that's going to take that away. There's no... Um, you know, holiday or house or anything that's going to take that away, that's in us, which mm. is powerful because it means that we can heal it. <laughs> we Absolutely. can be free from it. But not if we and continue to lie to ourselves that the next job or the next income or the next, you know, promotion or car is going to fix it because it's not. Absolutely. And this, everything that we're talking about, when you sort of think about someone who's highly passionate about something and someone who is just really driven and gets a lot of sense of satisfaction and happiness from what they're, they're doing, we're not, we're not talking about those people necessarily as running away or, you know, doing things like that. There are people who are generally happy. What we're sort of talking about in this whole mindset piece is, are you happy when you're doing this? Are you doing it from a genuine purpose with mm -hmm. a huge amount of desire and a massive amount of drive pushing you in that direction? Absolutely. High five. Keep on going. Absolutely. It's when it's when we're using this 
because we're trying to mask something. We, we're talking about this when we're trying to say something else is not full and complete within us. We're not feeling happy. So imagine a world where everybody has credit cards, unlimited, and they can buy whatever they want. What would you be doing then? And if it's not what you're doing now, think about that. Mm. That's kind of what we're sort of saying, because if everyone could have a Maserati, it doesn't diminish the fact that they're beautiful cars and they're a driver's car, but it's not so much the fact that I now have this and you don't. I've accumulated something that you can't. So therefore that makes me feel good. Yeah. But it brings me back, and this is a bit of a thought stream, so come along for the ride. Remember these mediums? I remember when I was very young, like the John Edwards and all of that, that would sit people in a room and he would sort of say, I, I feel I've got this entity or this this energy coming through of, uh, you know, uh, the, here's an, and then the a name John. starts. Yeah, a John or a Kay, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, any of those mediums. And I heard this from someone else. This is not my own thought, but it stuck with me. Out of all of those mediums, the messages that came back from the perceived, you know, other side was never, oh my God, I wish I lived in the wealthy precinct. You should have bought Bitcoin early. Mm -hmm. You should go, you should hold out and get the next Ferrari. Yeah. All of the things that those, these messages came back, whether you believe it or not, right, was it was around relationships. Mm -hmm. Connection. It was a, it was around connection. It was and around unity them, and purpose and that, themself. yeah, absolutely. Sort of like, I wish I spent more time with this person. I wish yeah. I spent more time with the family. Yeah. I wish I understood all of those things. And I found that fascinating because a lot of people love hearing it. And there's, you know, there's a lot of emotions and some of these things are really spot on, which kind of shocks people. But none of it was about accumulation. None mm. of it was about success. It's sort of like, you know, I wish I had spent more time gaining more Instagram followers. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. When you're dead, it's not going to mean anything. Yeah. So but this brings us to a conversation around purpose, right? So, mm. and we covered this on our socials as well. So, when we started having the conversation around, well, why isn't success all it's cracked up to be then? If if that's not success, then what is success? And why isn't the way that we view success all it's cracked up to be? And the first point that we made is lack of purpose. And I see this mm. in people when our purpose is borrowed or our purpose has been suppressed or influenced or shut down, then our meaning of life and that point of getting to or getting to that point of life where you go, surely there's got to be more to life than this. Mm. Like, okay, yep, I've got the partner and the kids and the white picket fence and society says I'm meant to be happy, but I'm not. Like, oh, am I broken? <laughs> no, we're not. So everyone is custom designed with their own sense of purpose. And I, I touched on this before as well, but like the things that light you up. To give you an example, mm -hmm. my husband is lit up by the idea of traveling overseas. 
absolutely it sets his heart on on fire he loves he's passionate about travel and i like a holiday as much as the next person but honestly if i never got the opportunity to leave the country again i would not feel unfulfilled mm. and so he takes for granted his love and passion for travel because he thinks everyone just loves traveling but actually that's not the case and when you know i look at people and go oh my gosh that person is actually so passionate about spreadsheets i mean that's weird to me <laughs> it's it's weird i do love a good spreadsheet uh, shout out I, to all of our excel and google sheets yes. listeners <laughs> I, can't, I can't deny that aspect of myself i do love a good spreadsheet but my point is if i if i was told you know you're going to be a bookkeeper for the rest of your life or something like that that would not light me up i'd be like mm. oh okay it might pay the bills but it's certainly my soul is kind of like uh, really <laughs> but thank god that he has given people a fire in their stomach for numbers because we mm. need those people we absolutely. absolutely need those people right and so our connection to self and knowing what really lights us up what really gets us excited what brings out passion and um, even if that passion is rage what makes you angry what keeps mm. you up at night what do you feel the biggest injustice towards because that is an indicator to what's important to you we feel so, big emotional mm. responses in relation to things that are important to us now, the interesting thing is that you can have a small portion of society who are extremely passionate about a certain thing and others who are like, I don't get it. But that's the point. Mm, mm. That's the point. Because we all have a purpose that is unique. We all have a purpose that is based upon our values and our passions and our meaning in life. Why are we here? that goes so much deeper than wealth or fame and a life short of those things will always feel unfulfilling. Mm. So that's, that's a huge one purpose and values. What do we value? And then why do we value it? Where did we um, learn that money was in, that money was the defining factor for success? Where did we learn about these been, worldly views? It's been drummed into us since we've been a kid. And yes. our parents when they were kids and their parents when, when, they were, when they were kids because it's been, well, it's the lubricant for society, right? Because yeah. you need to have money because we don't barter anymore or maybe some people do. But it's been heavily pushed in like schools. Yeah. That's why we go, it's like, what's the purpose of life? Okay. If purpose of life is just a full sum of what you're actually going to be achieving during your waking hours as an adult well it's going to work mm. right and it's not so much the fact that this is what i want to do this is what i have to do because i need to keep the bills paid i need to keep yeah. the lights on i need to keep the kids fed yeah. and so suddenly i'm working five days just to enjoy two yeah okay so i'm working five days it takes one day to recover and then on the weekend, you still want to do stuff because you want to keep up with the Joneses. You want to have people over, you want to do this. Suddenly, you're focusing incredibly on what you're being told that you need to do as opposed to what lights your fire. But then suddenly, yeah. 
when you start to think about these things that I really enjoy, I like I really would love to be a race car driver, right? Because I love the adrenaline. I love to be perceivably in control of something that's not able to control itself, right? Living on the edge, all of those type of things. Now, one day I will probably be in a car on a racetrack going at it, but probably not going to be a major thing that I'm going to stop everything at 44 years of age and change careers, right? That is That has well sailed. But I get a lot of big passion about talking and sharing my story. Mm. And so, but then you suddenly look at, well, how does that pay the bills? How to, how to, how to, how to, how to, how do we, we sort of get, get trapped? So coming back to, you said before, if something enrages you, one thing I'd like to discuss with you, because I see this a lot, when does focusing on things that are not fair injustices actually get in the way of you finding your purpose? Because mm-hmm. I do see that a fair bit. Someone sits there, I can't do that because this is just completely not fair and I'm absolutely enraged or, you know, I'm not going to focus on what the here and now is because everything that's happening over here in this corner of the world is completely, I, I just I just can't, or this or this or this. When does it become almost not helpful? When yeah, so there's on a difference rage? between anger-fueled passion that drives action versus mm-hmm. inaction. So victim mentality is all about the blame and one of the telltale signs of victimhood is procrastination or inaction, right? Mm. And so it's more like, um, you know, there will be people out there who are enraged by the um, disability sector, for instance. I don't know. That was Mm. the first thing that came to my head. And so guess what? They're going to be massive advocates for people with disabilities within... Mm our world right but an advocate isn't an armchair expert sitting there typing angry comments on social media an advocate's actually making tangible change it's actually Mm. you know really genuinely making a difference in the world and so it comes back to to that making concept of making a difference how does that fuel your action towards a better society and i think coming back to the concept of legacy and our values, Mm. how do those passions leave the world a better place? And it's something that um, used to make me laugh a little bit because in a society where everyone's obsessed with leaving a better planet for our children, I want to flip the script and say, how about we get obsessed with leaving better children for our planet? Well, that's where it's going to change. That's beautiful. That's what's going to change everything. Because if we leave better children for our planet, by default, the planet's going to be better. Mm. And so what's the point in trying to leave a better planet for our children if our children are not going to value it, not going to respect it, not going to have a heart posture of love and appreciation towards it? It becomes redundant. Mm. So I feel like that is a huge thing that lights my heart on fire. But then you've got other people who never want kids and don't care about kids and they just care about the planet and the trees and <laughs> everything well, and, else. And I think it's one of those things, and I love the fact you sort of touched on it. How many people have kids because that's what they're supposed to do, right? I'm supposed to grow up, get married, 
have kids, right? Versus, and, and, it's, and it's funny. It really is funny that you've got some people who will then look at people that don't have kids and go, what's wrong with you? Mm. And so, like, there's nothing wrong. Like they've missed the, missed the train or something, yeah, you know? Yeah, because I could put my hand on a whole number of people that shouldn't have had kids but did because it's sort of like they did it out of pure obligation. And when they do it out of obligation, what human being are you raising? And then what from that human being do they understand of what is love and life and connection that then starts to, to sort of palm it down? So it comes down to, hey, if you want to live a life where you're dedicated to yourself, your partner, and that's it, and then you just want to focus on that, good on you. Because those, those people that then have to feel as though I'm not enough because I'm going to be judged because, oh, mm, well, you don't have kids. Mm. A bit selfish, Absolutely. Isn't it? You like could try to apply it to everything, though. Like, I remember friends of mine feeling like they were failures because they hadn't bought a house. Mm. or they still only had a casual job or they didn't have assets or they weren't getting mad they weren't settling down and getting married and all their friends were getting married and having kids we can apply this to so many things because there are societal mm. pressures Huge. um but i think i would never look at someone and judge that they shouldn't have had kids as such because having kids even people who might have thought that they didn't want to have kids, might then turn around and go, oh, my gosh, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and that mm. was the catalyst for their change. I think a lot of that comes down to consciousness. And if we can be conscious enough, like I was 22 or 23 when I had my son, my first child, and I realised I, I was so cute. Dave, I was like, I'm so mature. I'm so like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know everything. And I realized very quickly that I was not the mum my son needed me to be. Now, looking back, when I look at the beliefs that I had and the way that I parented him and the way, like my attitudes and perspectives towards life, my values even at the time, I look back on that woman and could very easily judge, well, she should have never had kids. If that's how you're going to raise him, I shouldn't mm. have had kids. But actually that was the catalyst for me to go, I am not the mum that kid needs me to be and I need to grow and I need to grow fast. Mm. And so that can be a massive gift in people's lives. It's just their consciousness and whether or not they're willing to step into the discomfort of that realisation and change. Yeah. And I think it's the same. Like if, if anyone is recognising these beliefs in themselves, um, I'm really excited because our ne next episode is all about self-awareness. And mm. one of the things that we're going to really equip people with is the capacity to be able to ask themselves really pointy questions to start to understand why am I like this? Why do I think what I think? Why do I believe what I believe? Where did that come from? And when we apply that to success, once again, we've got this on our um, socials for 
this week. But when it comes to success, there are so many questions that we can actually ask ourselves to get an understanding of, well, what does success actually mean to me? When I see someone and think, wow, they're really successful, what is it about them that shows me that they're successful? If I look at someone else and think, wow, they, they've been a complete failure, what is missing in their lives for me to think that? Um, what accomplishments would make me feel truly successful? And when I say feel truly successful, I'm not saying think I'm successful because thinking is based off beliefs and, and values and ideas, but I'm saying feel where you feel fulfilled, where you feel complete and whole, right? Um, Another thing that we have previously spoken about is how do I measure su success in different areas of my life, in, in our career, in our business, in our relationships, in our personal growth? What does success look like in each of those areas? Actually get a tangible thing that you can hold on to and go, wow, I'm, I'm really doing well. Um, are there any other questions that come to your mind around bringing... Well, Consciousness. Yeah, more, yes, um, probably not so much of a question, but it's more of a, for me, it was, so success is based on, am I ticking off all these things on my scorecard? A bit like what you said before. And I was looking at that scorecard and go, whose scorecard is that? Yeah. Who actually created this scorecard? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And this scorecard's got career, family, yourself and all of that and so your scorecard could be heavily biased to career but imagine if you took the career out and you had enough money but you're in the most loving relationship you could ever mm. picture in your entire life yeah is is that success so it was really looking at well shit my my scorecard i feel is mine because i'm holding myself accountable to it Right, but it's not because I created it. Yeah. What created it was external sources. What created it was my own wounding in the past that I haven't worked through. So I had to basically go with what my gut at the time was saying, which is this scorecard. So what does your scorecard look like and who actually wrote it? And if that scorecard was relevant, was it relevant 10, 15, 20 years ago? Is yeah. it still relevant now? And that yeah. is that is success. And that's and that for me is that sort of mindset, which is, you know, the most um yeah, if it if you just wanted to feel peace, if you wanted to feel joy, if you wanted to feel that sort of fulfillment, when do you actually feel that in any given point or any given time? I remember you saying one one time, it's sort of like name the last time you felt safe and what were you doing? But then you sort of translate that to when was the last time you felt fully fulfilled and what fulfilled. were you doing yeah 100 percent. and then the question that comes to my mind is what conditions are you placing over that for example if you replace the word success with fulfilled successful mm -hmm. replace that with fulfilled and then look at your list of what would it take for you to be fulfilled what are the conditions that you're placing on that is it i would be in a relationship does that mean that you're not going to feel fulfilled until you're in a relationship? Stuff that. 
no way. I don't want that to be a condition on me feeling fulfilled, on me feeling whole and complete and, and successful. What happens if our success was us feeling fulfilled? Mm. And what happens if we could feel fulfilled independent of our job title, independent of our relationship status, independent of our children's behaviour, independent of what house we lived in? What if we could feel fulfilled and content and peaceful and whole and complete without the conditions like mm. that would just be absolutely life-changing wouldn't it oh, it's amazing because with those conditions there comes this statement which is going to be i'll be able to feel fulfilled when i retire i yeah. will be able to feel when happy I when I get that promotion, I'll be able to yep. feel happier once I've paid this debt off. It's all of these things that sort of, we're now trying to chase something, which again, is that actually the fulfillment that, that we're, we're chasing through this particular event? Or yep. is it, imagine if it's sort of like, I would feel really fulfilled if I just did this. And then the fear of, what does that mean doesn't overpower the need to change to follow mm -hmm. that yeah 100 percent, dave i've absolutely loved this conversation and i think it's going to flow over mm -hmm. a little bit into where yeah absolutely into where we're going next but guys take some of those questions write them down rewind boop not dave's accidental rewind of remind but <laughs> <laughs> rewind oh, the episode <laughs> so we're replaying that one are we rewind the episode go back have a look jump on our instagram jump on our facebook page have a look at some of the questions that we've posed to really reframe you and and get an understanding of what success really means to you and not only that actually start to ask yourself some questions of what sacrifices am i actually willing to make to be fulfilled to mm. feel fulfilled and am i actually open to reevaluating my beliefs and my stories and my scorecard of what success is as i grow and change as a person as i grow and change to be more of my true self as opposed to the version of self that was created based on everyone else's ideals and expectations mm. so hopefully this has been really insightful and you've gotten a lot out of it any final remarks dave i'd say that this has probably been a fairly successful show <laughs> i'm feeling fulfilled <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i think we'll sign off Amazing. bye 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 see you next time Be there.